Welcome to Sync, a show where we talk about music in film and television, why it's important, uh, why it matters, how it uplifts the show, how it affects the tone of the show, and the supervisors and composers who do a wonderful job of putting it there. And I love how I say show. Um, I've talked about maybe two movies on here, and both of those shows were disasters, <laughs> with the exception of the one I did with Charlie. So honestly, I, I enjoy sticking to shows. I don't want to be horrible, but um, yeah, I don't know. How are you doing if you're here? How are you feeling? How's it going? Um, yeah, um, I'm, ex I'm so excited to talk about this. This is potentially, that's actually not true. This is the show that I kind of sit here and say, why? Why, 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 why was this show canceled? It destroys me every single day. And in every, how do I say this? Every fiber of my being fully believes that, yes, I love the, specifically TV. I love TV um, and I want to work in TV, but I realized that around the time I was like, yes, I absolutely want to work in TV and specifically music in TV, I realized that that was when I was incredibly adamant about Scream Queens being canceled. It made me livid. I am so mad about it. I am really, really upset by it. And I, there's a very small part of me that believes that I want to work in this industry so I can get this show brought back. Um, there's been a little bit of talk about the show coming back, um, although Ryan Murphy also talked about bringing Glee back, so honestly, we'll see how it goes. I, I don't, I don't want to be rude, but like, I don't know if it's going to happen. We don't know. Ryan Murphy is a busy person. Um, speaking of, you should all watch Ratched on Netflix, question mark, because it has Sarah Paulson in it. Anyway, I digress. Um, so Scream Queens, if you don't know is a show about a bunch of sorority girls who are just horrible. Um, it's, it's Emma Roberts, um, Billy Lord, Love of My Life, and um, Abigail Breslin, and they are all like three main sorority girls. Their names, so Emma Roberts' name is Chanel, and then she calls Billy Lord, who, whose real name is Sadie, Chanel number three, and then uh, Abigail Breslin, whose real name is Libby, yes. Libby, I, I suck. I'm sorry, it's only said like twice in the entire show, who's Chanel number five, and they're basically like her little minions. And these two new girls join the sorority, um, and their pledges, and they're like, this is horrible, like, you guys are racist, you guys are like absolutely the worst people ever, and they basically make it so that the sorority can be joined by anyone, like anybody who's a pledge automatically is allowed to join. I, I don't know how sororities work, I'm sorry. But once that happens and all these people who the Chanel's deem as like absolutely horrible losers join, they all start getting murdered by the quote Red Devil, who is the mascot of the school, but it's actually like a murderer. And then as we later find out, a couple of like serial killers, a couple of them who walk around in the Red Devil costume and just start murdering and targeting people in the sorority um, and a couple of people outside the sorority. And so it turns out that in 1995, there was a girl who had a baby at a party and she died in the bathtub and they believe that the child that whose mother died in the sorority is coming back to get revenge. So the whole first season is based around like 
if these horrible sorority girls can figure out who this killer is. It is the funniest show I have ever watched. It is so close to being like too offensive, but it walks that line, in my opinion, pretty well. Some of it is like questionable, but most of it is pretty... It's a good type of humor that doesn't... That attacks not specific people, but specific, I guess, situations. And I love this show. I don't even know where to begin. And I, I just like, I think the show is like peak comedy. I don't know why, but a lot of people do and a lot of people want it brought back. So justice for Scream Queens, please bring it back. Anyway, I digress. But the whole tone of the show is that it's supposed to be like an 80s slasher movie type of style. It's very cheesy. Like there's no element of like actual like serious dark tone to it like there's none of that it is incredibly focused on making the tone of the show comedic murder like I don't know how to say it like it is not supposed to be this dark twisted mystery it's just like completely ridiculous and it sort of makes it pokes fun at this genre this style of like 80s slasher movie and actually takes a lot of inspiration from that there are a couple of youtube videos that are 10 out of 10 wonderful um that like show all the parallels between specific movies like there's one from psycho there's some from scream there's like it's just a wonderful like it's very cleverly created to reflect and honor this genre of film and so because it doesn't really take itself that seriously um, it utilizes music very, very, very well to push that point. So most of the music in the show is from like late 80s, early 90s. Um, I've set a chat bot to send out the soundtrack every couple of minutes, but I'll send it out right now just in case um, if you want to take a look at it right now. Hello, one viewer. I love you. Thank you for being here. Um, and... I should hide the viewer count. I don't know if I can do that, but I don't like that. Anyway, um, but so most of the comedic moments in the show are completely opposite to what is actually occurring on scene or comedic moments in the show are completely opposite to like they're driven by this like cheesy 80s music, but they're like super dramatic. So example number one is actually a 90s song, but it's Waterfalls by TLC. (laughs) And the reason that these sorority girls in 1995 allow for their fellow, like, sister, whatever, to die in this bathtub with this baby is because Waterfalls is playing at the party. And they're like, I'm not going to miss Waterfalls. Waterfalls is my jam. And they, like, leave her to die in the bathtub with this baby so that they can all go dance to Waterfalls. So it's just, like, it has these really iconic songs that make these moments funny because the songs are so embedded into culture already that you understand why they're being played without it being like, why is this song occurring right now? So like you can, that TLC example is a really good one. Um, I'm just gonna spoil the series, I'm sorry. This, like the end of season one was like in 2015, so I'm just gonna say it. But um, at the end of season one, the Chanel, so Chanel, Oberlin, who's Emma Roberts, Billy Lord, and Abigail Breslin, they get arrested because um, people in the sorority and the police who are utterly incompetent. Honestly, it's 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 wonderful to see. Um, and and it's just, again, another element of the humor which reflects back to these this genre of film. 
um, just completely and utterly incompetent. So they all believe it's the Chanel's who are killing all these people with literally like zero evidence. It's completely all fabricated. The audience knows who the killer is at this point, and so it's very obvious that um, what's happening. And <laughs> there's like this slow motion ser- sequence of these Chanel's getting arrested and screaming and just generally being the worst. And it's set to uh, Toy Soldiers, which is so funny. <laughs> Sorry, I just, I wish I could play it so you could um, like think about it. But it's Toy Soldier, Toy Soldiers by Martika, Martika, Martika. I don't know. It's fantastic though, um, and that came out in 1988, according to the Spotify I just looked at. Um, but it's like step by step, heart to heart. Something else. We all fall down like toy soldiers. And so it's, like, this incredibly, like, low-key type of music, but it, like, the lyrics work really well. And it works really well in the slow motion because, like, they're just falling down like toy soldiers. Like, just absolutely, it just works so well. Um, When you move into season two, season two, I think, I don't want to say this, this sounds really, like, mean, but, like, I think season two potentially might be the reason why the show got canceled because the tone is very different. Um, and it strays away a little bit from this reflection of the 80s slasher movie genre. That's an airplane. I'm sorry. All right, cool. I'm just praying that you don't hear that. Um, but it moves away from this genre and... It goes more towards into like um, more modern music. So there's some Charlie XCX, there's some um, K Flay, uh, Fifth Harmony. Um, but it also, the so it has the same sort of premise where somebody died in this hospital and they, the people like the Chanel's and one of the people from the sorority are working in the hospital and the dean from the school is where like they're they basically like move from the college that the first season was set at and they move to this hospital and the same thing kind of occurs there's a person who is being treated at the hospital in the i think it's 1985 but it's in the 80s and they their child they die and their child they believe is coming back to take revenge on the hospital similar premise um but the music shifts a little bit more into modern music as well as 80s music it's very confusing but most of the music in season one is all 80s music so this sort of shift into the modern music reflects a little bit of the shift away from the more um uh i guess paying tribute and being stylistically similar to 80s slasher movies um but taken not taken seriously and sort of making them comedic. Um, There are also a couple of songs that are like a little bit more modern than 80s music. Um, Like you have Backstreet Boys. Um, This, in my opinion, was the first instance of uh, everybody Backstreet's back, all right, like that song being used in a fight sequence. Um, It was used in episode three where these strap boys were all trying to they, like, went out in the street, and they're like, come get me, Red Devil, like, whatever, and they're, like, swinging their bats around, like, not an innuendo, um, and trying to, like, get the Red Devil to attack them so that they'll kill them, but they're just, like, smashing everything. It's really funny, um, and, uh, uh, 
it's like basically a fight scene and it's like very very dramatic um and then i was watching umbrella academy season two which i am considering doing a show on that will be a controversial show because i have a lot of opinions about the music on that show specifically season one of that show and then season two the complete change in in music um the music department is intriguing to me but i digress they are use it in a very similar sense where it's sort of like ridiculous fighting is more dramatic in umbrella academy but umbrella academy umbrella academy also has this very like odd mix in tone where some of it's super dramatic and some of it's like absolutely ridiculous because like the premise of the comics is pretty ridiculous but like it's taken seriously in its ridiculousness whereas with scream queens and with this scene it is absolutely just taken completely ridiculously. Like, these frat brothers are absolutely, like, I, I don't like to use this word, but they're just idiotic. Like, there's just simply zero, like, um, respect given to them in the narrative. And so to have everybody, yeah, rock your body, like, playing as the, it, it just shows, it, it, it emphasizes so well how completely, like, idiotic this move is and so it's i don't know it's just really funny because this song has such bravado but it's like seen culturally as kind of a uh like a iconic like boy band song like it's not seen culturally as this like fight scene song um it's seen culturally so um not dramatic that my acapella group in order to get everybody's attention and i'm 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 i think this is a fantastic fantastic way to do a call and response was like the person who was trying to get everyone to shut up was like everybody and then we would all have to respond yeah so i use that now because i think that that's absolutely brilliant so feel free to take that thank you uh to my college acapella group who i miss very much um but yeah i there's uh, i think there are a couple of people who are used a couple of times but like everything in the show is ridiculous like there is nothing serious at, basically at all in the show um in my personal opinion um so like chanel number one is like the queen bee of the school she is the queen bee and she her boyfriend who's the head of the frat that they're like i guess their brother frat who they're called the dicky dollar scholars um, she has this on-again, off-again relationship with him, and the whole thing is that she, like, quote-unquote, loves him, but, like, he's like, you're not popular enough, like, you guys are getting killed, like, what's the, like, why are you not, like, listening, da da, da. um, like, I don't want to be with you because y'all are getting killed, and so, like, I don't want to be associated with that, like, I'm gonna cheat on you with people who have more power. And so, like, all the songs where they're having these really emotional conversations are, like, to eternal flame, and to, like, um... Uh, I think Tell It To My Heart plays around that, um, but just, like, very, like, the, the, the love songs that are played, I don't, I don't want to disrespect 80s music, because music between, that was released between 1984 and 1991 is, is arguably one of my favorite genres of music. I have, like, a seven, I think it's now maybe eight-hour playlist that is entirely, like, 80s music. I love, like, but this is sort of, like, lot of one-hit wonders and a lot of incredibly cheesy songs like i'm sorry a lot of the appeal of these songs is that they are cheesy and that's why they're used so brilliantly in the show like if you 
were if you look at the scream if you're watching scream queens season one which is like that season of television is probably top three seasons of television of all time for me um you wouldn't even notice the songs that are set in modern time i guess like the songs there's like two songs maybe there's like a freaking uh there's a christina perry song and there's a bat for lashes song I love Bat for Lashes. Bat for Lashes deserves so much. Kids in the Dark by Bat for Lashes. Go listen. 10 out of 10 song. But there are like so many songs that are from like 1984 to 1991 and then a couple of 90s songs and early 2000 songs just that that almost kind of fit though in this style of 80s rock as opposed to like 80s soft pop. I don't know what to call it, like um I don't know, you have a couple of Bengals songs, you have a couple of, um, you have Keep Me Hanging On, which is absolutely wonderful, um, like, Eternal Flame, obviously, Bengals song, um, you have Crazy On You By Heart, which I think is a fantastic choice, um, and it's sort of, the tone of these songs is a lot of the romantic songs are played during these, like, fight quote-unquote fight scenes but like when the red devil's trying to attack someone like there's like a romantic one-hit wonder 80s song by like a female like (laughs) artist just playing and I just think the dichotomous nature of this show and its music makes it so brilliant and I know I say that for every show but that is like my favorite I guess um way to use music sometimes because it emphasizes in this show particularly how utterly ridiculous utterly ridiculous what is occurring on screen is and i think had they gone in the more i guess serious direction of things it would be very i guess different in its tonality because not only would it make what's happening on screen way more serious than i think the narrative and the acting or I guess the writing and the acting, and even the directing, like, um, asks it to be. Um, And a lot of it is filmed in the style of Glee. It is a Ryan Murphy show. Um, So there's a lot of zoom-ins and, like, weird pans and, like, showing people's reactions when someone is talking. Glee is a very specific shooting style, but a lot of this is edited to music very well. And so it creates that uncomfortable, like, ridiculousness and emphasizes just how um melodramatic it like the show aims to be and then on the same in the same vein of that it is it reminds you every time a song plays that this is a this is not only like not a parody but this is heavily inspired by 80s slasher movies it puts you back into that headspace and yeah while 80s slasher movies are probably not playing the bangles or the Go-Go's, which, you know, a little earlier, but, like, uh, 100% puts you into that mindset and into that, I guess, I don't know. I, I personally think that 2020, and specifically Gen Z, which I can say because apparently I am Gen Z, according to maybe 60% of the population, some people think I'm millennial, some people think I'm Gen Z, I personally think I am exempt from the generation system because of rapid changes in technology, education, and uh, uh, international relations, and uh, economic downfall. But that is a conversation for another day. 1995 to 2000, I will die on this hill. 
is exempt from the generational system. Anyway, um, I think a lot of Gen Z, specifically from like 2018, 2020, looks at the 80s with a sense of, I guess, ridiculousness. I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I think a lot of what has sustained from the 80s is like loud fashion, one-hit wonder music, and like linguistic styles. So like specific words, like that kind of thing. And I think that this plays on this really well, even though it was pre-80s sort of coming into um, pop culture more. Um, But you even hear it in music, like Bat for Lashes takes a lot of inspiration from 80s music. Rina Sawayama takes a lot of inspiration from 80s music. Um, And you have this resurgence in specific elements of the 1980s that potentially aren't even accurate to what the 1980s were really like. I was not alive in the 1980s. I think my viewers, some of them were, I, I think. I know some of my viewers were, so please feel free to correct me, like 100%. But I also think that what has persisted and and re-entered the cultural landscape right now from the 1980s is this sense of ridiculousness. And again, I'm not saying that's right or even accurate. I'm not even saying what we have drawn from the 1980s is accurate at all to what actually occurred culturally in the 1980s. But using this music, using these one-hit wonders, using these, like, um, I don't know, I call them soft pop female singers. Um, Like, they're, I don't know, like, take Eternal Flame, like, it's soft pop type of thing. Um, Kim Wilde, I don't know. I don't know what to say about this, this specific... Because when did this song come out? You keep me hanging on. What is this song called? Um, Can't Get Enough of Your Love, I believe, is in there. What the heck? When did Keep Me Hanging On come out? 1986, uh, according to Spotify. So you have this sort of type of music that has been what has persisted, and I think that sound of music is influencing I don't know it like feels like it influences culture here quite a bit so what we have drawn from the 1980s is the sense of ridiculousness in current culture and again not saying that's accurate but this show plays off of that really well and I personally believe that it was ahead of its time specifically in its musical like song placement because of the way this show uses it and in its, um, I guess, completely dichotomous nature. That is how, that is so much of the brilliance of the show is the song placement because it emphasizes completely how absolutely and utterly ridiculous Ryan Murphy and the creative team is looking at these 1980s slasher movies and parroting them, but also paying respect to them, but also completely parroting them because of the musical choices and the stylistic choices of that. Sorry. There's a song that is sent set to um uh shoot. What is this song called? I think it's called um I think it's called Two of Hearts. Hold on. Let me there is a moment in um in Scream Queens that is potentially yes, it's two of hearts. That is potentially my favorite moment 
I don't want to say in the whole show because I think I, 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 I think that this is tied with the Chanel arrest scene set to Toy Soldiers where um, so Hester is played by I almost said Rachel Berry. Hester's played by um, Leah Michelle and because it's a Ryan Murphy show and she's like wears a neck brace is kind of like weird as hell and like the Chanel's are really angry that she um, is kind of they are required to admit her into the sorority and so Chanel Oberlin Chanel number one Emma Roberts Queen Bee is like oh my gosh you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna show Chad that I'm charitable so I'm gonna like make over uh Leah Michelle I'm gonna make over Hester and make her like hot and make her my Chanel number six and so there's a scene where they're introducing uh where she introduces Chanel number six or Hester is Chanel number six and she's like hot I guess now quote unquote I don't know very cheesy makeover scene now she's quote unquote a hot girl you know old old trope persistent trope in media and it's filmed to i need or two of hearts by stacy q and the filming style is that of um glee and i'm gonna say that because so much of the ridiculousness in glee is taken from the cinematography the way that shots are edited together and the way that people have decided to like do incredible zoom like there's a lot of weird zooming in glee i don't know why but there's just like a moment where hester is like smiling in this uncomfortable awkward way and it just goes like i need you i need you and it like zooms in on her face and like it's like it's showing like different parts of her body that are like now apparently quote-unquote hot like it shows her like chest area it shows like all the jewelry she has on her pretty shoes and it's like then it just goes like i need you i need you and the shot design is so funny and it is edited it is like the perfect song for that because once again it's this like soft female pop that is so incredibly like it works so well in that sense and i, I don't know if that specifically was a one-hit wonder for stacy q i don't I think there were a couple of them, but like I, the song is not immediately recognizable by a, I guess younger audience. Like I've never heard that song, in 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 like if you listen to like oh '80s playlists in like on Spotify or like in normal like it's not a totally this is not Belinda Carlisle. You know what I mean? Not you get the point. So it works really well because it has that sound but you don't know what the song is but you now understand and have context for the song in the sense of the scene and now i know what the song is because of this scene and that's a really important thing in my personal opinion and is very special about this show because it brings all these songs that you potentially if you're younger know the sound of but can't totally place into this light like toy soldiers never heard the song has an incredibly specific sound that is what I think a lot of younger people associate with the 1980s and now you know the song because it's part of the show. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful placement in the show. Um, I also have to, I didn't tell y'all who the music team was and I suck. So some of my favorite people are part of this music team. So PJ Bloom, who also was a music supervisor for Glee, did um is this 16 episodes i don't know if i trust imdb with music supervision and music departments because i get i've like literally said the wrong music supervisors on this show because of imdb 
So I know he was a music supervisor. I think it was for the entire thing. I'm not totally sure. But Amanda Creek Thomas was the coordinator as well uh, as, well as Jenny Ellis. Um, uh, Amanda Creek Thomas and PJ Bloom have done a lot of stuff for Ryan Murphy. Um, and I know Amanda Creek Thomas is doing a lot of Ryan Murphy stuff at the moment. And she does a wonderful job. And I have a lot of respect for her. So I... I... I believe this was the show that introduced me to her specifically, um, and I am very grateful for that because she and PJ Bloom did an absolutely fantastic job on this show. This is one of my favorite soundtracks in television of all time. Like, I love, I love this show so much. Justice for Scream Queens. I'm so angry. Anyway, I'll, I'll stop. Um, another thing that I think is special about Scream Queens is the fact that it doesn't go for any form of realism at all. And I know that I was talking about it being, um, I guess, more um, melodramatic and sort of parroting 80s slasher movies. But like, even in 80s slasher movies, I believe there is like, there's, there's some element of realism to it. Scream Queens goes for none of that. Not in the direction of the narrative, not in the direction of dialogue. Like, there is a character who was just utterly convinced that one of the girls is the serial killer for like literally no reason. Just like zero reason. She is like the head of like the security team that the school has hired to like take care of, take care is in major quotes right now, take care of the um, girls in the sorority house and like basically be their own security guard for the house. Um, and she's just like convinced that one of the girls is the serial killer with zero evidence, with no like, I guess, um, literally no reason, no motivation, like nothing. And she's just fully convinced, like n nothing about it. And the way that people die, like there's the blood isn't even look real. I don't even think it tries to look real. I don't think that's like even a production issue because like the production on the show is really nice. They do a really good job. But like, like it's just not supposed to be realistic in any sense. So I wonder a lot and I know I said this a little bit before, what would have happened if the show tried to have this more realistic tone in general? And I honestly don't believe the show would have worked. I think the comedy would have seemed bizarre. I think that, like, there would be no... Like, it doesn't work. Like, if we're gonna take what is seen as quote-unquote cheesy 80s music, you have to have cheesy dialogue. You have to have cheesy realist, like scenes. You can't have any not any but there has to be very little realism in on the surface so everything can work and like yes the music is dichotomous to what's actually happening but what is actually happening doesn't aim to be serious and doesn't aim to be realistic so the songs don't seem super out of place because there's nothing to be like there's nothing to take you out of that um sense of i guess uh, over or over dramatic reality. There's nothing. Scream Queens is a very easy watch because it has really like. It's just really clever, but also really like offensive, but also really like specific style of comedy. I I don't want to say it's offensive, but it's like these people are just so horrible that like everything they say, it's kind of like Veep. Like they're just horrible people and it's established from the beginning and nothing is like really like just uh, 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 appalling I guess in its comedic style but it's just like really like 
I don't know. I'm gonna say this right now, and this might be controversial, and that's okay. My guilty pleasure in terms of media genres is girls being mean to each other. I think it is the funniest thing in the entire world. Now, the tone of whatever media I'm watching has to be, like, ridiculous, otherwise it's, like, depressing, but, like, um, girls being mean to each other, I think, is, like, can be the funniest thing because that is such a popular trope in, um, media that is taken so, like, just portrayed really poorly in a dramatic sense, like, so it plays off of that, this show specifically plays off of that trope really well and sort of makes fun of like how ridiculous sororities can be. Like it blows it way out of proportion and plays really well off of a stereotype of sororities and creates this sense of, once again, like fantastical, unrealistic, um, uh, what is it called? Atmosphere, I guess. Um, without it being serious at all. And so you can get really, really invested in it without feeling guilty that you're like, oh God, why do I care so much about these stupid sorority girls? Like, because you care so much about them, but you also care about the fact, you care about the humor, you care about the narrative, you care about like so much, I don't know, it's just brilliant. The show is just brilliant, I'll stop. But because it like plays off of this stereotype of like femininity and why girls are so mean to each other. And like you have characters that call out the Chanel's on their BS. Like it's not like they get away with everything. Like the whole point of about half the characters on the show is like we have to take down the Chanel's because of the fact that they um, represent everything that is wrong with the Greek system. And you have the murderers, murderer, murderers. I don't know, you have to watch the show to find out even though I already spoiled it. Um, is that you have to, I guess there's an assumption that that is their motivation, like, for their revenge. Like, there was, yes, like, the sorority girls, specifically in 1995, let Chanel die, but, like, they, they still um, represented the for, sort of, like, fake care and fake um, sense of bonding and fake sense of sisterhood that sororities have without actually caring about each other and it just sort of being a status thing. So that's sort of the assumed motive for the murderer is that not only is it revenge for that specific situation, but it's revenge on that ideology and that sort of systemic foundation for how sororities are run in general. And then you have characters who are presented as protagonists who hate the Greek system, but one of them, her name is Grace, joined because her mother all she, her mother's dead, and the only thing she really knew about the sorority was that, or about her mother was that she was in the sorority at the school. So Grace is like, I want to be closer to her. I'm going to join the sorority. And then she meets this guy, Pete, who's like, I'm an investigative journalist. He's very pretentious. I really don't like him. Um, she likes him, though, like romantically. And she is like, I don't know. She is sort of buys into his narrative that he has this motivation to expose the Greek system for the fact that they are ridiculous and self-centered and horrible and, like, contribute to all this, like, um, uh, like, um, self-loathing for girls and, like, the, the hazing and deaths. And he's, like, he also attacks the fraternity. Like, he doesn't like any of it. So that, a lot of the mystery is, like, is that motivation sort of his thing too? But the whole reason I bring this up is that the show uses primarily this soft female pop 
female soft pop singers, like songs by female artists that have this soft pop. I don't know what else to call it. There's a specific, there's definitely a word for it, but I'm going to call it soft pop. Um, some of it's like soft rock. I don't know, but like by these female artists to score sort of how ridiculous this sorority can be, but also how ridiculous people like perceive everything and how ridiculous people treat each other. Like, and it uses female vocals specifically because it has this sort of soft yet over-exaggerated, I don't, they don't sound like sorority music, like Waterfalls by TLC fits perfectly into that scene because it's a bunch of white girls dancing to this like R&B song like and they're like waterfalls is my jam and then they let their friends like they're they let their friend die in the bathtub with an infant infants infant I don't know you'll have to watch the show to find out that gave everything away it's it's like in episode two that you find out I'm just not gonna anyway anyway I digress once again but there's an irony in this music along with its obviously tone that like so many of these songs are by female artists about love and romance and togetherness and like also heartbreak and like that sort of genre um that have this like um cheesy sense of connection i don't know like because once again if we're going to talk about cheesy music and again i hate calling it that like i i have so i love this music but that is i think how it is utilized in this show and it's played off of its cheesy reputation or whatever, quote-unquote. It's used in a very cheesy way, which is the point, um, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, um, to create this sort of, like, fake atmosphere of love and, like, longing and, like, to, like I guess what is seen as these very feminine emotions in this context of the show in total contrast to the um very brutal nature of not only their frat brothers but um the like the whole like fact that there's a murderer who dresses as the red devil who like is assumed to be male which you know you gotta watch the show to find out because a lot of sorority sisters start to suspect that it's like somebody in their sorority and that plays out in a very bizarre way and then they suspect it's the dean of students and then they try and kill the dean of students like it's just a disaster so these girls start to act very opposite to their character like they're assumed girls being mean to each other sorority system being like sort of sneaky and behind the scenes kind of mean and malicious and like classist and racist and that kind of whole thing to being outright horrible to being completely opposite to these soft um, romantic female soft pop vocals that are being played in the background um, to being almost entering this very like quote-unquote masculine um, trope and ideology and um, social stereotype that is portrayed a lot in 80s slasher films and now I will I love thinking about like 80s horror movies I think it's fascinating because there's this trope in 80s horror movies that's called like the final girl trope and obviously that's persisted and that happened before that but the final girl trope to me is very fascinating because a lot of times the final girl is seen as being saved because she is a love interest for the protagonist 
but the protagonist is allowed to treat, not the protagonist, sorry, the antagonist, the villain, the person who's trying to, like, literally murder people, who is literally murdering people, but because the uh, antagonist, like, has feelings for this girl, she's allowed to escape, but she has to go through a lot of trauma to get there. And sometimes, at the end, she will literally end up with the actual serial killer. Like, that is sort of the trope. Um, And this plays a little bit on that as well, because if it is a, like, you don't know who the murderer is, and then once these girls start acting in the, like, once once it starts to become very ambiguous as to who the murderer is, not because there is a lack of evidence like there is at the beginning of the show, but because there's overwhelming evidence for every single one of them, they sort of subvert the final girl trope with this, um, I guess, harsh behavior because they're not trying to escape a murderer because they are assumed to be the murderer. So every person in the show is attacked by the Red Devil. But because there might be multiple red devils or because the red devil might be attacking somebody that they actually want to save or somebody who's actually behind the whole operation, which yeah, does happen. Let's just spoil it. Um, You have this trope subverted because there is no way to clearly see who the final girl is with the exception of Zayday Williams. So Zayday Williams is the absolute queen of the show. I love her very much. She literally runs this entire show. Kiki Palmer, I love you. Thank you for participating in the show. Thank you for bringing yourself to the show. You are an amazing human being. Thank you. Um, sorry. But she is the person who does have a little bit of romantic interest. Um, she is sort of portrayed a little bit as the final girl at the beginning of the show because the Red Devil kidnaps her and, like, makes her dinner, makes her her favorite food, and makes her, like, flowers. But she still is trying to escape, and that makes the Red Devil mad. However, comma, everybody seems to suspect that it is her who is the Red Devil, because they're like, well, you're faking being kidnapped, you're faking all the stuff. Um, and she has, sorry, I'm, like, getting on a huge tangent about the show, but I promise this all relates to the music. I will go back to it, I, I actually promise. Um, I just love the show. I'm sorry. I was very excited to do the show today. Um, but the person I was talking about at the beginning who is convinced that one of the girls is the, like, murderer without really any evidence is Zadie Williams. Like, somebody is fully convinced that Zadie Williams is the murderer. And so she has all of the visual elements of being the final girl in this, like, 80s trope that the show plays off of. But she is not- she can't be the final girl because, like, she- is perceived by this one person to be the murderer. Like, she, the the security guard is convinced that Zayde is the murderer. So she, like, she doesn't subvert the stereotype, but she has this tension going on, and it sort of says that, like, hey, the final girl's trope, like, just sucks. Like, it's just really not good, and it really isn't accurate, and it really does not create a normal storyline. In that regard, the final girl trope is played off of in very subtle ways when people are trying to seduce each other or when people are um running away from the murder in very stylistically almost beautiful ways like there's not there are some scenes where like yeah there's like somebody gets blown up and it's really dramatic and there's a lot of um how do i say uh 
uh, a quick action, but there are oh <laughs> there also are a lot of scenes that are very romantic in their murdering style, and those are set to these soft rock pop female vocals that have that are relatively iconic or only relatively iconic in their sound and play off of the final girl trope a little bit more because they have like they are part of the romanticization of the scene and that in and of itself creates this sort of final girl almost I don't want to say aesthetic that sounds horrible but like visual aesthetic because it's like you are running away from something that maybe isn't even really trying to hurt you like there are a lot of times where the red devil will like come and scare these girls but not actually kill any of them or they'll kill like one of the guys that is in the room with them but not actually kill the person like it is very intriguing and so once you start to find out more information about all these girls them running away from the red devil gets more and more and more romanticized because it tricks the audience into believing that oh maybe these girls are not the murderers but are the final girl like maybe these are the people who are actually going to get away because the red devil doesn't want to kill them so like the red devil must be in love with them and then you find out that the girls have a bunch of shady uh stuff going on and then you're like oh maybe they're not like and so it plays back and forth on this final girl trope as well as on the trope that's like um as i said before sort of escaping this girls being mean to each other backstabbing sorority um stereotype and going way towards just like straight up trying to kill people like just there's like very blank like there are full conversations toward the end of the series that's like we thanks hun appreciate it gotta put this on spotify um but uh you you have like they're they're gravitating towards this more total outright wanting to kill people like there are full conversations where they try and kill the dune students like that and they literally attempt it like lol like multiple times so anyway i digress the last thing i want to sort of point out because imagine me filling an entire chat or an entire hour with chat and conversation i'm really i'm i'm honestly impressed with myself but anyway i the last thing i want to say is that um there is a character in the show who is grace's father and he starts to have romantic relationships with Gigi, who watched the show to figure out who she is, she's like an old sorority girl, she's horrible, we hate Gigi, she's weird, sorry, not to like be, she's, I just hate Gigi, anyway, um, and also the dean of students, and he's literally Grace's father, and he's creepy, and he like stalks her because he's scared that like she's gonna get killed, but he also like, he's weird, anyway, um, I literally forgot his name. Like, I just don't like him at all. Wes. His name is Wes. Um, but his whole thing is, like, oh, I create playlists that are, like, romantic. And so, like, when he is, like, in the car driving Grace up to drop, driving up to the college to drop Grace off on her, like, first freshman year, da, da, da. Like, he, like, he's, like, let me play this playlist. And it's, like, A Thousand Years by Christina Perry. And so, like, he's a really scary guy. Like, he, a lot of his stuff, the, the stuff that he does is really actually very creepy and really scary. But most of his scenes are scored by these playlists that he make that show that he is a quote-unquote soft side. So, like, a lot of the songs that play, like, when he's, I'll just say it, when he's having sex with people, like, with specific characters, he's listening to, like, this sort of, like, 80s, 90s rock. But when he, and even earlier rock, actually, as well. But then when he's, like, 
kind of talking really creepily to specific people and like to, to his daughter like but like it's not creepy in like a sexual way it's creepy in a like maybe he's the murderer kind of way it's scored by this like on like this same soft female pop from the from the 80s lol every every one of these songs that has most like the most significant songs in the show are from the 80s and then waterfalls by tlc um and so it sort of uh puts you back into the headspace that he he sort of lumped in with these like in terms of motive with these uh sorority girls because they're being scored by the same type of music when they're saying stuff so it's really hard to recognize in everybody that like the stuff they're saying is actually really scary and like bizarre and horrible so I don't know. It's an interesting choice um, to put basically the main male character, um, besides uh, Chad. Why did I forget his name? Chad Radwell, who is the head of the Dickie Dollar Scholars, like I said at the beginning, and who's Chanel's on and off boyfriend hookup. I don't even know. They don't even know what they are. I again, I digress. Um, but. It has, okay, I'm gonna send this playlist out again, just so everybody has it at the beginning and end of chat. Um, it has that same, uh, like he's the, one of the two male characters, main male characters, and then there's somebody who like dies and comes back like eight times, kind of. It's confusing. It's Nick Jonas, we love to see it. The, the guests on this show, it's like the people who are on this show are literally, I don't even get it, like John Stamos is on this show, Taylor Lautner is on the show, um, freaking, uh, 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 Jamie Lee Curtis is on the show, um, Nick Jonas is on the show, Ariana Grande is on the show, it is wild, like, the people on this show, I don't even understand, anyway, um, you have him lumped in with Chad Radwell, who is always not really scored by anything other than, like, eternal flame when he's talking to chanel like otherwise he's like i'm from the dicky dollars like he's very masculine but then you have wes who is seen as kind of emasculated in a lot of ways in the show which is probably actually a good thing but then he says all these really weird and creepy things about like really pointing to him being the red devil killer and he's scored by the same 80s cheesy music that he decides to pick out and he's lumped in with all these sorority girls thus way more unassuming and reminds you of specific types of, I don't know, gender roles? Like, you, he's very out of place in this sorority setting that is very stereotypically female and plays a lot on stereotypically female stereotypes, specifically those of the Greek system. And you have him lumped in with all of it, which is really weird. I'm just gonna say it, it's really weird, and he's a weird character, and I don't like him. Um, but he's completely opposite to his daughter who hates the Greek system. And he's like, hates the fact that she likes the Greek system, but doesn't hate the Greek system. And he's just a weird, he was a frat boy in college around the time that um, the girl got killed at, uh, it's called uh, Kappa Kappa Tau, which if you think that this is not a, um, a, uh, uh, a parody of Kappa Kappa Gamma, you are lying to yourself. Anyway, it's just funny. I don't know. It's the music in this show. The TLDR is that PJ Bloom, Amanda Krieg Thomas, 
and Jenny Ellis have thoroughly created a soundtrack that is almost exclusively 80s soft female pop. I don't know what I don't know what the hell to call it, but it is almost exclusively 80s soft female pop. And because of that, you have it being like it plays off of female stereotypes, it plays off of dichotomies of um I guess literally murder and um like visual and sonic tone of the show. You have it um emphasizing the fact that it is a reference back to 80s slasher films and putting you in that headspace. You have so much going on with the decision to make this, this the, uh, I guess, the soundtrack and the sound of the show. But the most important thing, in my opinion, is that it emphasizes just how cheesy the show is supposed to be and just how much it does not take itself seriously. And in my opinion, that is the most important thing about the show because... If that weren't the case, the show wouldn't work. The comedy wouldn't work, the writing wouldn't work, the visual style wouldn't work, nothing would work. And that is what makes the show special, and going this direction with the soundtrack is, like, just the most beautiful thing in the whole world. And to me, the soundtrack is, like, 90% of the show. Like, maybe that's a, that sounds like an overestimation, but you can watch maybe seven minutes of the first episode of Scream Queens and understand exactly what I'm talking about. So, thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. Um... Uh, there's I put the soundtrack in it's just a really great one um go watch the show it's on Hulu it's just phenomenal um please bring if if anyone is listening to this with any power please bring this show back I if if I go a career in if I if I throughout my career if I don't even take one step to um make sure to 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 to, um push this show to be um revived I will have failed myself and my entire community and I will be unhappy when I die. So please go watch the show. Please um, tell me what you think about it. Tell me how you're feeling. Um, But yeah, I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Um, I will see you next week and have a good one.